0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 143 of the Testudo Times Podcast. I don't even have a funny intro. I think we just have to get into talking about all that has happened. This is going to be one of the busiest podcasts we've done in a while, Thomas. Uh, God, Maryland basketball craziness, Jim Harbaugh dunking on Maryland on a podcast with all the football news that's going on, Jalen Hurts in the crowd. I, have we had a busier podcast than when we were actually just not doing season previews? seems like we haven't had one like this in a while.
1: I mean, other than the ones we've, we've had to talk entirely about the, the football scandal stuff, you know, there was just so much going on there, but even that was one topic. This is like five different topics that are all kind of... All over the place.
0: This is going to be crazy. I'm glad Lamar is here on this uh, Tuesday afternoon to record this podcast. Okay, first question I want to ask you, Lamar uh, who is going to build the Bruno Fernando statue and how quickly can we build it?
2: Hmm. It's, it's built as soon as he declares for the draft. Um, and we could we could try and figure out who's the worst three point shooter in the Big Ten and just have them shoot a bunch of bricks to build it.
0: That's a good idea. Who is the worst three-point shooter? Oh, it's probably somebody on Rutgers. Sorry, I had to say it. Uh, probably. I can't think of anybody who's that bad. <laughs> you don't want to say Daryl but he's a few threes.
2: <laughs> he hit one last night.
0: I know. I was Monday about to say, night. like, the joke would have been Daryl Morsell, but he's hit threes recently, so maybe not. Uh, he's hit one of the last two games, funny enough. Yeah. Okay, let's start with... The three games that Maryland has been just playing, and there's so much to get to in all of them, but I'll start with general theming. Uh, Firstly, let's just talk about last night, and I do want to say that we love Jeff Ehrman. Please never tweet about a line being bad ever again, because Maryland would be the team that would go from up 21 in the second half to down one in the span of 10 minutes. So let's just not do that again, folks. Maryland (laughs) basketball is a thing that can always go wrong at any time, but they still found a way to win. That game was Freaky Friday because Maryland normally sucks in the first half and is great in the second half. This was the complete opposite of that. And it also goes to the theory that happens mostly in Maryland games. Teams could go on red-hot streaks and then go ice-cold for 10 minutes, and it makes no sense. That's also college basketball. But, Thomas, in the the realm of bizarre Maryland basketball games, this might be up there with the Illinois game from last year and some other – just really freaky ones that are going to go down in my memory as some of the most bizarre games that you've ever seen. And this one, it kind of steadily happened, but it wasn't surprising when it did happen because when you heard Maryland's gone 10 minutes without a field goal, you're like, oh, that seems like a Maryland thing to do. Well,
1: it was one of those you started to notice uh, when they were at like 10 minutes without a field goal and it just kept going. And they the free throws made it, you know, they kind of matched it because I only went 10 minutes without a field goal and you know the Illinois game I think is probably a good comp the the game that was in my um for for a lot of it was the Nebraska game two years ago where they just like randomly blew a lead at home on it was I think that might have been New Year's Day
0: like, mm-hmm. oh yeah two, the one that they you know lost. two years
1: yeah that they actually lost and that's it really came to mind when it was a uh, when when Wisconsin took the lead but I don't know. Maryland got lucky because Wisconsin missed like, you know, its last three, three pointers, and all of those were pretty good looks too. And it
0: was like they were making everything before that. So you thought, okay, these are going down. These are going to go
1: down. Yeah. But even in the yeah, f- I, fat, I mean, they Maryland... were making. Go on. They were making contested threes. It's not like Maryland's defense was. You know, as nearly as bad as its offense was in the second half. And this is, this is true. And then, ironically enough, it's they left Reavers wide open on that last possession, and that's when he missed.
0: It's it's funny because like, of course played pretty good defense, and just one half shots didn't fall, and the other half shots did, which was also really funny because we went back to the old standard: don't run offense and hope Anthony Cowan makes a prayer, and it worked. Or we went to the bellow-trimble offensive, prayers or free throws, either or. It's kind of really funny when you look at that entire game. But even when Maryland was dominating in the first half, they weren't really hitting many shots. They were getting a lot of good looks, so they just missed them. It was kind of a weird game. Like, Maryland was up by a bunch, and it didn't really feel like they deserved to be up by 20, and then they were. And you were like, Huh? It was just a weird game all around, complicated, of course, by the weird 8.30 start time on a Monday night when school's not in session. It's just – Lamar, that whole game was just weird. And Maryland gets away with it, and I think that's what most people are going to remember about this game is they got away with playing with fire. But, you know, Bruno Fernando didn't have a great game. He sat most of the second half with foul trouble. We saw Ricky Lindo. We thought he was injured twice, and he ended up being fine. It was just a weird game.
2: Yeah, weird definitely begins to describe it but doesn't fully. Uh Ricky Lindo and Bruno both showed amazing growth at different times during it. Uh for Bruno it was that stretch in the first half where he was he scored on his sister like seven points of the of a 9-0 run, uh just beating Ethan Happ for a little bit. And Ricky Lindo showed like grew in front of our eyes on the defensive end and ended up with the most rebounds really Filling and like on the boards for Bruno, uh, but it was a a weird game for sure. Um, the defense was like there were periods where Maryland was extremely keyed in and locked in on defense, and then that like la- like the best descriptor that like is that really that last series of possessions where they thirty seconds left they run like. Rotations perfectly, force the timeout, and then next play out, Rivers is wide open and after the game they said it was they were supposed to switch that, but it's just it was a weird game.
0: But I guess the good thing is is that Maryland's gonna have to play weird games later and I keep thinking Big Ten Tournament, NCAA tournament, those games are often strange and make no sense and it helps to have played in a game like this, even though again, you could feel the Xfinity Center going, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. You know, even though there were some bad calls and one of the made threes for Wisconsin happened after a foul call that should have been that wasn't, there's been a lot of weird officiating the last couple of games for Maryland. That Indiana game was bizarre, too, when it comes to that. But, I mean, just overall, when you look at this game in the context of the other two, they're very different games because Maryland in the first half against Minnesota, Indiana Thomas was pretty poor. Indiana, they were really bad. Minnesota, they weren't great. And then in the second half, they just went off and... Mark Turgeon teams this year, I think, are, what is it, 4-1 and one when trailing at halftime, when they've never had this good a record? I saw this stat from Patrick Stevens a couple of days ago, which is a, something I want to get into. But when you look at this game vis-a-vis the others, Maryland picked up where it left off and then let off, the foot off the gas a little, because they were up by so many, they didn't think Wisconsin was going to make shots, and nor did pretty much anybody, because they couldn't hit anything, and then until they did. Uh, so what does this game mean in the context of the other two? Because when you look at, this Wisconsin Maryland game, as opposed to the first couple of games for Maryland since they started conference play, they look entirely different, and it's
1: weird. One more comp for this game is the Delaware game that was the season opener.
0: Well, no one watched. Where that, Maryland?
1: So. Well, we had to. So. You did. Yeah, I mean Maryland got up big, and then Bruno Fernando went out, and they just weren't the same. Game, and it kind of got close. This one obviously got even closer. I think that, that one didn't get closer than six points which is which was the final margin um but obviously this was almost a complete collapse i mean Maryland just hasn't played a full forty in through you know throughout this winning streak um Maybe you can they say came, Rutgers, they played thirty but they Rutgers play they played thirty, and that was probably the most um you know they didn't play the first eight in the last four very well in that game for instance
2: mm-hmm.
1: um you know minnesota they weren't really that bad they just didn't lead at all in the first half and then they you know they pulled ahead and then they re- really clamped down the last um uh, um indiana they were bad for a whole half and then they were good for most of the second half um i don't know it, it's it's one of those i th- think they they did kind of let their foot off the gas and they weren't they they were up by a lot but they were never really in. um one thing that turgeon pointed out in in game was, was that they really missed the chance to even you know step on the neck in the first half neither team scored for the last four minutes of the first half and so that 33 to 15 score held that whole time and maryland had Looks, Maryland missed, you know, missed a few shots and had a chance. to be up, you know, twenty twenty five at halftime instead of eighteen. And then early in the second half, they still weren't really in rhythm, but you know they were still leading because they had allowed fifteen points in the first half. It took a long time for them to catch up to them. Yeah,
0: I mean, some of that, I guess, is Wisconsin just not being able to make shots, but defensively, like. If only they could bottle that and do that sprinkled throughout games in big moments, because you're never going to do that for 40 minutes. Uh, they could shut down anybody if they play like that.
2: They were so peed well, in. Well, I talked to Daryl about that after the game, and he said it's because they have, like, Bruno and Sticks, like, back there, to like, for confidence. So, when you have Bruno missing large periods of the second half, like, some of that confidence has to go away uh, as well. And uh, – so I think for like them to play a full game, they have to like Bruno has to stay out of foul trouble for sure because that he's the best shot blocker in the league right now. Uh, so that's like a confidence that no other team can really lay claim to at this point, especially also having Jalen back there. So they gotta figure figure out a way to keep those guys on the court. Well, it's
0: it's interesting because Bruno Fernando, this might be only the second or third game where he really had legit foul trouble. That's something he stayed out of for most of the season. That was one of our big concerns, and it hasn't really happened yet until this game. And some of the fouls were ticky-tack, but, you know, that's going to happen in some of these games, and you know you have to find a plan B. And I guess the plan B is Ricky Lindo. We'll get to Lindo in a second. But I want to go, Thomas, to talk about Bruno in another context because... The the second half against Indiana was insane. And when he banked in the three, I thought that that was the point when the Xfinity Center was going to actually collapse under its own weight of how amazing that was. And he just took the game over. Now we all know he's going to go to the NBA. He's going to be a top 15, top 10 pick, certainly a lottery pick at the way he's playing right now. But we're now reaching the point where I have to start thinking about where does he rank in the pantheon of Maryland players, especially those that didn't stay their full four years Because he is probably one of my favorite players I've ever seen come through Maryland. And again, my reference only goes back to 2012. But his game is so complete now in many ways. A lot of the issues we had with him and his game last year have been ironed out. And he's clearly one of the best players in the country now at doing what he does. And in many ways, it allows Maryland in an era where everybody shoots threes. The big men can stretch out and do all these crazy things it allows Maryland to play kind of old school basketball and not many teams are geared up to play that way. And Bruno Fernando keys that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that. Bruno is, you know, he's one of my favorite athletes that I've covered at Maryland for sure. If not my favorite, just, you know, he was, we go in on Thursday and he's hitting his, you know, he's hitting threes. Like he hits threes all the time. And he's yelling Kobe. He yelled Embiid a couple times, and he asked who are some other bigs who can shoot. And someone said Nikola Jokic, and he's like, "Nah, I don't want to do that." But so he <laughs> just went so back. Funny.
0: Imagine him doing that in the NBA. Next I'm
1: sorry, Lamar. I'm really sorry, Lamar. But
0: imagine him doing that in the NBA next year. How spectacular is that going to be?
1: Yeah. So, oh, so yeah, we. Yeah. So he was asked after the game if you know did he yell kobe on the three he banked in and he said no but then he just yelled it right there anyway um
0: what's well, who he is and the best yeah. part is i think that mark turgeon and company have found a way to get the bruno fernando experience in a team game more than we saw last year and bruno fernando in a team game at this point in the big 10 is not really stoppable
2: yeah well i think part of that is uh also the growth of Cowan. So it was like like last year where it was like him and Herter's team, but there was less like deference and it was more just like whoever takes the lead. This is more like someone's controlling the game. It's like whether it's Bruno, especially with Cowan having these cold starts recently is like they know to give him the ball and let him go to work. And he's beating double teams consistently, finding the open man and all the post work that he started last year is like Grown and like you guys said, it's like his game is becoming more complete. Uh, but Cowan also allows that by like being the leader and like taking like his ability to take over at the end of games has been key to this winning streak almost. It's
0: Mellow Trimble, like um, he's doing yeah. what Mellow Trimble used to do just all the time when you knew you needed something, even if it's a prayer and or just draw foul. It's what Anthony Cowan does, and I think he learned a little of that from Elo Trimble because he was so good at that, and Anthony Cowan's becoming almost as good at that. And even when he doesn't hit shots, it doesn't really matter because, you know, he's going to draw contact, or if needed, he'll just throw up a prayer and he'll hit it. It's <laughs> the end of that.
2: Yeah, and Turgeon said uh, the play where he slipped against uh, Wisconsin last night Jalen was Jalen Smith was going to set a ball screen and it messed up the flow in the middle. So after that, Turton said, if his clock's running down, just get out of Cowan's way. And he's comfortable in those situations. And someone put the plays next side by side from Wisconsin on the road uh, in 2015, uh, where Melo hit the game winner to uh, Cowan, same side of the court, almost the exact same spot, just different arena.
0: I mean, it's as I'm saying, like, the, can- the connections are uncanny at this point. And, again, you don't mind having somebody who could do that because there aren't many players who you just, like, give him the ball, he'll do what needs to be done, whatever it is, at the end of games. And, that I mean, that's such an X factor. And also Maryland's free throw shooting last night was great, which helped them basically ice a game when otherwise they would have been in a lot of trouble if they hadn't been making free throws. Uh, Thomas, we've got other players we want to talk about and how different these games look in terms of just those players. Uh, Jalen Smith was off against Indiana. I don't think we've seen the best of Jalen Smith recently, but Maryland's still winning even without that, and his defense has definitely improved. I mean, Ricky Lindo as a defensive stopper is not something I think anybody saw happening this season. And He comes on the, the court in defensive situations, and he just puts an end to it. It's amazing, right? And then you also see, as we talked about the contributors, like the Wiggins, Sorrell Smiths, starting to get more into these games. They're starting to develop the full rotation and the full complement of things that they can do, which we were worried about at the start of the season, and now I don't think there's any reason to worry about that anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, To me, the biggest difference between what Maryland is now and what it was a month ago is Ricky Lindo and Terrell Smith by a long long distance because – The difference between having a rotation of six guys you trust and having eight guys you trust is huge. You know, especially in a 20 game conference schedule, especially if you want to go deep in your conference tournament or the NCAA where games come, Big Ten tournament would be three or four more games in as many days if you can keep winning. You you know, you you need health. You need health and you need bodies. Maryland, knock on wood, has has been healthy to this point and having Smith and Lindo take that next step, you know, as, as freshmen to becoming regular contributors, they've been, they've become really, really, really good defenders. Neither one of them has done a ton on offense. Sorrell Smith, obviously when he gets hot, he gets, um, you know, he's people call him a microwave that that works, you know, that's the whole heats up in a hurry thing. There have been a lot of like, microwaves throughout basketball in a while, but he's, it's always nice to have a guy like that. Lindo, I mean, like he didn't score any points against Wisconsin, but he had nine rebounds and was one of Maryland's most important players in that game, so that, that tells you as much as you need to know.
0: It's crazy how good he is defensively. It's crazy how good he is defensively, and now if he, he ever gets offense up, then... Maryland goes from Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith to Ricky Lindo and there's no drop off and they're going to recruit big guys going forward. It's crazy, right? It, it is truly amazing to see what he has been able to do in that growth. And also, I want to get to a comment we saw from uh, some of the people recovering covering the game last night, Lamar, about the three-pointers. Uh, we thought at the start of the season, well, Maryland's not going to be a great shooting team from deep. Well, here's why I think that's changed. Because they can play high-low with Bruno Fernando and they have so much attention having to be given to the paint and those guys down low, Maryland can get open looks in the flow of the offense and they have good enough shooters to make those open looks. They don't necessarily have Kevin Herter who can make a shot from anywhere or necessarily spot up shooters as much anymore, but when they work in the flow of their offense and they get those perimeter looks, they don't force threes, they take them when they come and they can hit them because they have good enough shooters Certainly, Anthony Cowan's good enough. Eric Ayala, Aaron Higgins are good enough. And that's why Maryland has now become a good three-point shooting team. I don't think they're ever going to be the best three-point shooting team, but they have the offense now working to the point where they can get those looks, and they're going to hit those looks most of the time.
2: Yeah, and part of that is Eric Ayala becoming a legitimate three-point threat. Uh, He wasn't known as as that coming into college. He's worked on that with uh, Matt Brady since he got here, and now he's becoming a consistent three-point shooter. And with teams, ha- like you said, teams having to pay that much attention to Bruno, every time he sees the double, he's finding that open player. And whether it's the first pass or the second or third, they're moving the ball around the perimeter and getting those open shots. Uh, watching Daryl Morcel be confident enough to take those shots and hit a couple of them. He's now hit threes in the last two games. Uh, Jalen Smith hit one uh, against Wisconsin. Um, just having those shooters peppered around the perimeter and you can't pack the paint against this team anymore. Uh, and it doesn't make their, like you said, they're not going to be the best three-point shooting team, but they're picking their spots better because it's not, oh, the clock is running down, we have to force a three. It's, this is a three within the flow of the offense. This is a good shot, and they're falling more often than not. Can we give a stick tap? I know that's a hockey term,
0: but can we give a stick tap to Mark Turgeon? I know he gets crap from a lot of Maryland fans, and some of it is warranted, but this is some of his best coaching, and you can see that not just from going to a zone against Minnesota, which he said he did out of desperation, but it's not a bad move to make, and it ended up shutting Minnesota down to Maryland, went on a run to end the game, the way he's coached his teams in these out-of-bounds plays, even if sometimes it's just a prayer from Anthony Cowan, it works. But some of these plays that they're running, they're making the plays when they need to. They're running some of the best offense that Maryland has run since he's been in College Park. And defensively, which is what his teams were always known for, they're still one of the better defensive teams. They rebound the ball like nobody else does. They've got great shot blockers. And in many ways, Thomas, as I said, it combines this new school basketball, which is threes and tempo and you know, move the ball around, but also when you've got two bigs, you can run it old school in many ways, and Maryland is now core to playing in the best of both worlds, and I think a lot of that has to do with a really good coaching job for Mark Turgeon, and he deserves credit for it.
1: Yeah, I think one one of the things I kind of hoped would happen with this team was that Mark Turgeon would kind of have to get creative and try some other things because, you know, I think – the most reasonable complaint to me was that he kind of left his teams in a box. he wanted to play a certain and he made it he, he often you know tried to put square pegs around holes trying to play a certain style of basketball with a team that maybe wasn't meant to play like that. Uh, with this team, he's been a little more open-minded. He's done a lot of different things. Um, there's obviously the when the offense goes wrong, it goes wrong for the same reasons that it always has the ball movement just kind of goes away. Like last night they had 7 assists on 16 buckets, which is yikes. But but he's he, he's made adjustments in pretty much all these games that that we can remember. He's um made a lot of the right moves. Lately. I mean, you can you can argue against him doing a good job against Wisconsin, but certainly Maryland Looked like the better coach team against Minnesota and against Indiana, especially down the stretch. And that's on Mark Turgeon.
0: And I think that you have to give the credit for where credit is due. Yes, Maryland teams still turn the ball over a lot. They still go cold a lot on offense. This happens. But every team is not going to be perfectly coached. Every coach has a foible. And we've found Mark Turgeon's. But if he can find ways to coach around that, you know, then you could talk about this team now starting to think, okay, well, what is their ceiling? We asked that when we did this podcast last week, before this three-game stretch, and we said, what is Maryland's ceiling? We don't know. Let's wait until we see what happens in these games. They've won three of them. So, as I said, after this five-game stretch where Maryland has to play all these really good teams, including three of them on the road, we were going to say, if you won three, you're in pretty good shape. They've won three in varying different fashions, but they won all of them. And Minnesota on the road is not an easy place to win, and they did that. Who knows how good Indiana is, but Indiana's got some great talent, and so too does Wisconsin, and that Nebraska win looks better now than it did because of what Nebraska's done recently. So Maryland's only loss in conference play is to a Purdue team that is starting to heat up, too. They've lost to Seton Hall, who's not a bad team, and Virginia is probably going to be number one next week. So, Lamar, you now start to think about what is the ceiling for this team, and you start to see them. If you look at bracketology, they're starting to get up there in seeds. We said six or seven seed at the start of the season, and now – We've seen fives. I've seen fours. We're now thinking if this continues, they've got many more chances for good wins. They've still got Michigan State. They've still got Purdue again. They've got two against Michigan. They might be thinking top three seed, which Maryland has not had since 2003. That's what you uh, got to start to think about now.
2: you got to start to think about it, but you also have to be wary because this team is we're still playing five freshmen in this top eight. So it inevitably hits the wall in the middle of this conference schedule somewhere you have multiple games against Michigan State and Michigan still left and they just finished their last back-to-back on at home until their literal last two games of the season so they're going to spend a lot of time on the road over the next couple months and I still think the ceiling is around that uh around that four or five seed I don't think they uh wind up on that three line but this is a team that ends up with a respectable seed in the tournament uh, after what they're starting to show. And I wouldn't be surprised if they take a game once they get there or go further.
0: You could start to think about maybe this team can make this week 16. And by the way, I will just say looking at Jerry palms recent bracketology, not to get you all excited, but the last couple of bracketologies that I saw from him had Maryland and pods as four or five C's once with Duke and once with North Carolina. Come on. Wouldn't we all want to see that? We all will want to see that, even if Maryland loses, because I don't think many of us thought that that was a possibility this season. Uh, Now, Thomas, the next couple of games are really, really interesting. Ohio State has played really badly lately. They lost at Rutgers. They lost at Iowa. Um, They're not ranked anymore, but this is a tough place to win. Maryland last year went in there and got completely and totally destroyed. Uh, This has been a place where they found it really difficult to win. Uh, And then you go to the Breslin Center on Monday night next week, which if there's any litmus test for Maryland that they've had this season, that's going to be the litmus test, at least for now. Uh, So what are we thinking about these two games? And uh, I think most Maryland fans would be happy with a split, but the way that they're playing, if they can put all the good things together that they've been doing in recent times, which is not out of the realm of possibility, then they could definitely beat Ohio State and they could push Michigan State further than any team's pushed Michigan State since the end of November.
1: Yeah, I think Ohio State's probably a toss-up just kind of looking at it right now. Ohio State's been you know skidding a little bit. They're very well coached. Chris Holtman is a very, very good coach. And he, he got Ohio State to kind of overachieve last year. And he got this team to overachieve. I don't think the talent is you know matches the ranking that they had last week they were 16 but you know they'll be a tough team to play um especially in their building maryland has won two straight road games so it, you know that game's interesting i still don't have a lot of confidence that maryland can go into the breslin center and win but you know get back to me after they uh they play ohio state and if they win that then maybe i'll be talking myself into it but I still think you go out there with a split, you know, you lose at Michigan state. There's you know, there's, there's two games that, you know, at Michigan state and at Michigan are the two that you don't expect to come away with. And if you, if you're competitive, you know, that'll probably keep the momentum going, but you know, they're, they've, they've set themselves up to, to stumble once and be fine.
0: At this point, they only have one conference loss. I don't know how safe they are in third, but Right now, the goal would be double-buy. I think maybe four or five losses would be okay to get a double-buy, but we'll like to see. It's still pretty early when it comes to that. But just a a last thought on this before we move on. Did you think that this is what we were going to see? And did you think even that this is what we're going to see in these three games now that you look back on it, Thomas?
1: No. Although, I mean, maybe I I knew that the way the schedule was set up, they had a chance, you know, to kind of win the first – three out of the new year um all the teams like nebraska Rutgers, and minnesota are all better than i thought they would be when i first looked at it um you know to get those out of the way to be indiana and wisconsin again you know these are all there's a there's a pretty narrow margin between third place and 10th place in the big 10 right now and maryland has so far beaten everyone else in that pod that they've played since the new year uh they they lost at purdue um going before that but so it wasn't really out of the realm of possibility i thought they would lose one of these um, i did too yeah
0: and i mean and here we are when you still look at what they've got left i mean they still have to play purdue at home as we said two against michigan state they get ohio state at home minnesota will come at home later uh, they have to go to Nebraska, which is going to be really hard. They've got to go to Iowa. They're going to have, they're going lose. But the way that they're playing right now, they've baked in a lot of goodwill, and they've baked in a lot of positivity. And I think that's more than what a lot of Maryland fans thought that this team was going to be. Now, I think that's just the optimism's there. And I think that people realize what this team is capable of is more than they thought. And it, it gives you a chance to feel really good about this program for the first time in a while. Uh, part of the spectacle of the indiana game on friday was jalen hurts there in the first half and when he's there maryland plays poorly and when he leaves maryland does really well this is like the national title game from 2018 all over again as you rightly pointed out thomas we've got a lot of football things to talk about i guess we should start with jalen hurts because that was the segue um apparently in the betting markets maryland is now the favorite for jalen hurts i don't know how that could even be in the mind of a maryland fan after what happened recently which we'll get to so uh what would you like to say, Thomas, on the Jalen Hurts-a-palooza?
1: I think the longer this drags out, the better it looks for Maryland. Because the two schools that he visited, he visited like three schools in one weekend. Uh, it was Maryland, Oklahoma, Miami. And those other two schools, they started this week. So, you know, maybe, he, you know, if he like enrolls at one of them now, maybe they would give him a bit of a grace period, but... you know the longer that delay takes the more sense it makes to come to Maryland where there's a Jan term and the winter the spring semester doesn't start until the 28th Um, so you know that's a part of it for to a lot of people Maryland is you know just been the favorite from the beginning because Hertz is closer with Mike Loxley than pretty much anyone on that you know who was on that Bama staff even you know, Alabama's quarterbacks coach, Dan Enos, who I thought was going to be the Alabama offensive coordinator, is now the Miami OC. So there's a connection there that, that does make sense. Um, Oklahoma make makes some sense. and But Maryland's in a pretty good spot. And Don't say that. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised at this point.
0: Oh. Uh, at this point based on what happened recently I would be so uh, Lamar what do we what are you thinking about Jalen Hurts he, he, he certainly stayed for the right half of basketball on Friday didn't he
2: <laughs> Whoa! Did, did he see the uh first I half, against the first half where I, yeah no I thought first also my understanding back
1: is, back is that Jalen Hurts me. he left his seat at halftime and then was somewhere else in the building watching the game left mid-second half
2: Okay. Oh. Yeah. So if he saw the sixteen and zero run, then he stayed for the right part. If he just saw the, the first half, he did not. Uh, going back to that for just a brief second, I honestly didn't think that Maryland had that in him, and that really surprised me and uh, helped me buy in, uh, to this team. But on the hurts part, I don't. I don't trust it. I don't, like. I agree with Thomas that it's the longer this goes on, the better it is for Maryland. Uh, for the the schooling reason, but also he graduated. So, but so it's it's questionable. But to play uh, to play spring ball, it would definitely be he'd definitely have to enroll somewhere. It's looking better for Maryland. Everyone has a lot of respect for Mike Loxley. and I'm at the point where I wouldn't be surprised, but I also would never come close to banking on it
1: it would be very off-brand for maryland to close this out well
2: yeah that is is the
1: reason that's the thing is okay. maryland does not have a history of closing the deal with things like this
0: uh speaking of that another segue this josh gaddis thing was so bizarre uh we're gonna get into a lot of layers of it and this is why i think a lot of us are skeptical about jalen hurts uh so let's go over the play-by-play of this thomas from your perspective Uh, everyone thought that Gaddis was probably going to be the guy when Lockley was hired. But obviously, Maryland wasn't going to be able to hire him officially because Alabama had games to deal with. And so, after the national championship game, we all figured, okay, this is going to be in motion. We didn't hear a lot. So then Thursday morning, we hear from multiple different Alabama sources and Maryland sources corroborating that Josh Gaddis is going to be Maryland offensive coordinator, yes? And then, a couple hours later, he's going to Michigan. So what the hell happened? And now, you are here to help us fill in the
1: blanks. Yeah, well, well, Jim Harbaugh kind of sealed the story that I had been able to try to piece, you know, been able to piece together from it is that Michigan came completely out of nowhere. Michigan literally reached out to him that day. Um, Harbaugh went on, I think, his own podcast and said he called him at 10 o'clock and he he was Michigan's OC by 3.30.
0: That is such a Jim Harbaugh move.
1: It is. Um Apparently, Gaddis has has a statement that was like he had already been chewed out by Saban for coming to Maryland, because Saban didn't want him to leave. Which, you know, now that I've now that we've seen, I thought Dan Enos was going to be Alabama's OC. I'm stunned he's at Miami. I don't I don't know what happened. Um, my guess is that if he was gone, Gaddis was the next guy. But anyway, my understanding is that Gaddis was. Basically a done deal to Maryland, and then Michigan offered him a million dollars and said he could call plays. And so he's like, "Oh, okay."
0: Like this is, in many ways, Michigan saying, "Wait, nobody really likes our offense. Uh, it was pretty bad. So, um, oh, there's this Alabama offensive coordinator. Not only could we hire him and look better on offense, we could screw out our rival in the Big Ten East, who is not a rival, but still, it's a Big Ten East school." So in many ways, it's just Michigan doing what Michigan could do. And I can't blame Josh Gaddis for taking that job because he's getting paid more and it's Michigan. It's not Maryland. But this is why you don't want to assume that Maryland's going to get anything nice because it's probably not going to happen. But so it, it happened really quickly. It's like this wasn't Michigan as a stalking horse. This was Michigan literally coming in and saying, hey, do you want to do this? We'll pay you more. And Josh Gaddis being like, "Eh, OK, I can't really blame him for that. I can think that for Michigan, that's a tiny bit sketchy, but this is what happens in college football, sadly.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the one difference I'll point out between this and Hertz, people, like another school cannot just come in and offer Hertz a million dollars legally.
0: Well, they can, but it's all very illegal and under the table, but
1: everyone probably... I said said legally.
0: I know, but... We know that legality doesn't necessarily matter in the NCAA's eyes. Well, pff, under the table in the NCAA's
1: eyes, you know what I mean. Yeah. And a million would be high anyway. I don't think that's what... A group, that's that's not what recruits get.
0: Uh, no. That's definitely not what recruits get. But, I mean, on a sliding scale.
2: Unless you're Kyler Murray. Uh, well, that's a
0: different argument entirely, but... We could get into that. Yeah, it just felt thing. like dropping that. It's, it's No, you're fine when doing that. I, I completely understand. So, it's just, again, I can't blame him for it, but it is whatever it is. Uh, so, now, when we think about Josh Gaddis, uh, Lamar, again, as I said, you can't blame him. Uh, there's a lot going on with this, but... I mean, for Maryland, it's just another one of those typical Maryland left at the altar things. And this is nothing they literally
2: did wrong. It's just someone came in and offered more money. and Yeah. Yeah. It, it leaves a little sour taste in your mouth. But it's like, oh, what can you do? It's like another reason to not like Michigan. But no, re- like, yeah, it's like get your money type of a deal, especially like leaving the uh, the evil empire at Bama. is like, huh. Whatever. It's just like, of course, it's Maryland. Of course, it's happened. But it's more surprising that Enos left Bama. It's just like, oh, what's going on down there that the whole offensive staff like, dips out this year? Well, uh, of course, of you know, Locksley gets the... Yeah. But it's just like, wow, everyone really jumped ship after a little bit of blood, but it's fine. It's just all quite strange.
0: I... I... Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But that's life. So now we go on to the next question: Is Mr. Kenzora, where does Maryland go for offensive and defensive coordinators? Because they still haven't hired anybody, and there are a few people who are starting to get a little bit nervous.
1: Yeah. So my understanding for a while was that T. Martin was the backup option at offensive coordinator. Um, I, I don't know if that's actually the case right now because if he was the backup guy and he was Loxley's if Gaddis doesn't come he's my call I feel like it would have materialized by now especially considering how how fast some of these things go um Derek Ansley of the Raiders is oh Jesus apparently he's he's one of their actual good assistants um that's the guy that Bloxley apparently has offered as DC. Um, again, he's currently employed and might have other offers on the table to, you know, maybe coordinate a defense somewhere else. So it might take a little bit more time for that to come to fruition. Uh, there are still a few position coaches that are up in the air, but um, Maryland has taken everybody off its. Athletics website. All of the like position coaches are off the site except Loxley and like the grad assistants.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Because they've already lost basically, who did they lose? Somebody to Ohio State. I can't remember who it is,
1: but no. Well, that was Matt Barnes went to Ohio State. You know, if he, I mean, my understanding was all the coaches were told to look for other jobs. Chris Beatty surprises me that he's not on, that he's not still on there because my understanding is that he has. Like declined to interview for certain other positions because he thought he was sticking around here.
0: Hmm. So it's all going very well. And when is the uh, national signing day again?
1: February third, I believe. So there no, is. That's is- no, the sixth. Six. The, sixth. Six. the sixth.
0: But there still is a clock is ticking element to this, of course. The
1: third is the Super Bowl.
0: Ah, that would be interesting. National Signing Day being on the Super Bowl Sunday.
1: That would be. A- that would have been interesting, but it, fortunately, it is don't not have that to do anymore. that.
0: So. So what do you think the timeline is for these coordinator hires, Thomas, and for Jalen Hurts? How long do you think Maryland fans have to wait before something happens?
1: Well, if you would have asked me at this time last week, I thought they would have been done by now. So I don't know. Maybe another week? Probably not more. Certainly for the coordinators. I mean, you you want some of the position coaches in place. You know, that way you can – You know, have guys have recruits know who their position coach is going to be. Um, You know, recruiting we haven't heard too much either. But again, like this is all probably ramping up behind the scenes. It's just that not a lot of, not a lot of the action is in the public view right now.
0: Does that make you worried? Does that
1: make you nervous? Or I think it's fine to be nervous at this point because Michael Oxley has done this pretty slow. You know, Mike Locksley. He 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 has said that. You know, one of the lessons he learned from New Mexico was he didn't want to rush to hire a staff. He wanted to take his time, make sure he got the right guys, and that's a nice, noble thing. The way it's played out, you know, maybe you would have liked it a little faster. Um, Well, I'm sure he actually would have wanted to do it. Let's be honest. He did. He did. He had a guy agree to be his coordinator until he didn't. Yeah, and who knows? And who knows how many people have like accepted an offer, but are trying to do the same thing where they're, you know, maybe using that as leverage somewhere else.
0: There's a lot of weird things going on in college football coaching this year. I think we're almost at like 30 new coaches in FBS, and they have 128 schools. That's almost. Does that
1: count? Does that count Temple twice?
0: I don't know if it counts Temple twice. Technically, I guess.
1: But, well, because Manny Diaz ended up going back to Miami too. Yeah, I so, know, but it's still. I guess worth an you know opening. he he would be a new coach wherever he went.
0: This is definitely so, yeah. true. But Temple did kind of hire him, and then I mean they let him go, which is I mean completely fair. I mean that's, I I got I had somebody tell me that it was belichick What happened with uh, Josh Gattis, which is kind of true? I guess. Somebody also said that it was like Rutgers with Jay Wright. Did you know Jay Wright was once going to be the head coach of Rutgers until Villanova offered him that job? You do now, much the same situation. Somebody who uh is <laughs> a that likes Rutgers. Oh man. I did I did I didn't know that. That's amazing. That did actually happen. And that this makes is why that's
1: crazy. even better. That's podcast. even better than Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor being Rutgers commits. It, 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 yeah,
2: here's, that's just like, like "Oh my god, that. they could have turned around their entire program." But he's like, "Nah." <laughs>
0: I'd rather go to this, this school on the main line. Not Philly, but they say they're Philly. Yeah. You know I mean? um, that's from personal experience, I can tell you that. Uh, but this is why you uh, come to this podcast for Rutgers things you didn't think you needed to know. But I know anyway, because I have family that tells me these things. This is why you do that, folks. This is why the Rutgers running joke will never die. Because once in a while, something like that comes out. And it's very true. Anyway... Uh, I think that's it for football. Um, I hope it's it for football. Normally when we record these things, something crazy happens either as a recording or right after. So stick to test 2 time for all the news that's going to come for this. Uh, Thomas, let's go over to women's basketball very briefly. Uh, Brenda Fries got her 500th win. Uh, recently, there was a great piece in The Athletic. I forgot who uh, did the, the piece. Uh, if you have that athletic subscription, if you look up the Maryland stuff, you'll find something on Brenda Freed's. It was a really great story. And I really liked it. It was one of the best Brenda Freeze pieces I've seen. So I encourage you to read that if you can. Uh, in terms of Maryland women's basketball, they're starting to play a little bit better now. They're starting to figure the, some things out, I think. And the Big Ten below them is still a complete mess. Everyone's beating everybody.
1: Yeah, and well, it does turn out like they're doing better in the rankings than you would think because, you know, Maryland's next game is against number 23, Michigan State. and That's on the road. So, like, much like in the men's game right now, like, the Big Ten is kind of populating that bottom of the rankings and receiving vote sections, um, which is ahead of where I thought they would be just based on how things went early in the season. But there's no one like what Ohio State was in the years past that would be a, a real adversary to Maryland in the same way. Um, at People least on paper. on what
0: they need Maryland is. Or- lower down the table resume wins. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, and some of these are, are probably going to end up being pretty good wins as long as they get them. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of hard to make a ton of conclusions based on what they've done, which is they've played, you know, these decent big 10 teams close and the they've won most of the like. games. Yeah. I mean, the last couple that were were close and then they pulled away in the fourth quarter. And so, you know, they've had a few games that were kind of stress-free finishes, but more stressful games. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that continues or if they, you know, start putting, putting the heat on more.
0: Or losing a game. Or that. Well, let's think about this for a second because Michigan State's ranked. Indiana, I believe, was ranked at one point. Iowa and Minnesota ranked. We're not talking top 15, top 12, but we're talked by, you know, these are pretty good teams that Maryland will be playing and has a chance to beat them, and it helps. I mean, the Big Ten last year was really quite bad behind Maryland and Ohio State, and that hurt Maryland in seeding. But now we've got (laughs) this, where Maryland's got a decent conference behind them of teams that are okay, but not great. There are no, you know, there's no Michigan State to Michigan. And, but also, as we said, women's college basketball this year is really wide open. All the big teams have already lost at some point. You know, UConn's lost. Uh, Notre Dame's lost. A lot of good teams are playing this year, and a lot of them have already had a loss or two. So if Maryland could pick up wins, I'm not saying they're going to run the rest of the table, but they have a chance to continue to kind of sneak up there if they continue to beat these solid if unspectacular teams the rest of the life.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the big 10 will probably do more favors this year than it did two years ago when Maryland came into the tournament with two losses and was a three, the three seed. seed. Yeah. When even then they were projected as a two seed the whole time. Like this time, if they, if they come in with the same record, they're easily a two seed at least.
0: Um, uh, this is absolutely true. And, again, I think there's still a lot of elements of this team that still have to be ironed out. They're playing with a lot of freshmen too, so that's part of it. But they're starting to figure it out a little bit more. I don't know how much that can be gleaned into anything, but I think they're starting to turn the corner just a tiny bit from the Rutgers game, the Ohio State game, and, and the like. So there's definitely something to follow there. I should also mention that uh, Kevin Herter's is really good. <laughs> in the NBA. I know the Hawks are bad, but Kevin Herter's good.
1: Kevin Herter has has really turned a corner these last couple weeks.
0: He was the star in a game against the Sixers that my sister went to, oddly enough.
2: Yeah, I liked Herter to the Hawks when it happened, and this is the reason why. The Hawks aren't good, but they don't really need to be this season. They have a, the youth movement allows Herter, Young John Collins and everyone else by extension to like really grow in the minutes that like, they're no longer tanking, but like they're rebuilding through the youth and Herter is a big part of that. We saw him grow over his time at Maryland. And remember he still left after his sophomore season. He was like, he's like 19 or was like 19 when he left. So not only was he, he's, grown since we first saw him. He was like 6'3", coming out of high school, 6'5". He's growing physically, and he's growing in his game still. And watching him the last couple of weeks has really just proved that uh, the Hawks were right to use that first-round pick on him.
0: If they were wrong to use their first-round pick on Trey Young, they got it right with uh, Kevin Herter.
2: If any of them was wrong, it may be... I haven't seen Spellman, but didn't he go 30 or did he end up 31?
1: I think Spellman was 30.
2: Yeah. Like, we'll see how that one turns out. But I think Young and Herter as a backcourt are going to grow together. And watching uh, Herter grow in the pick and roll these last couple weeks has been really uh, nice to watch as, like, a Maryland fan.
0: Bruno Fernando of the Hawks next year. And then just all Maryland players.
1: I
2: Maryland have now officially Hawks.
0: thought in my mind that that would be okay.
2: There oh, would be worse Bruno. things. I th- I'd be surprised if he sneaks in the first round, but also depends on what the big man class looks like. You still have Bow Bow Hull, who's done oh, playing he's got college ball. Now. Yeah.
0: That's the death signature for big men.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, especially when you look at how his uh, dad's career ended. But I think he well, still also, ends up the last in. last
0: Pacific Northwest big man. I know he played at Ohio State. I mean, <laughs> scared the crap out of me if I was an NBA GM. Big men with foot injuries. The rest of them you could really overcome. You can't necessarily overcome foot injuries.
2: Well, it depends because you still have Embiid, who is like overcoming them in front of us. But, but that, that took two years. Happened? You have to be willing what to. Happened? Yeah, you <laughs> well, have to be willing to years after take that investment. Injuries. Yeah,
0: you know that that that
2: was. Bobo is a interesting talent. I'd I, if you have like a big man that you're willing to like, just let him like take the Sixers' plan and let him just sit and recover for a year. Definitely do it. But I think Bruno sneaks in at the end of the. Bruno probably sneaks sneaks in at the end of the first round. I saw him up to like 34, in some uh, draft boards. And, if but teams know like what he can this, do. I he's can't a solid. Him
0: not being a first-round pick.
2: Yeah, but you gotta know what you're getting. He's probably not starting at the next level. I, but he's like a elite backup. This is true, but
0: again, imagine him on a good team.
2: Yeah,
0: imagine him coming in as a backup, say, in Milwaukee. That would be fun, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, someone I think someone, whoever picks Bruno is gonna find themselves a really good prospect and a really good player off the bat. There's also the Kevin Herter thought of,
0: again, I hate mentioning this, but we have to. What would Maryland be like if Kevin Herter was in this team? I mean, you think there's chaos up top. I mean, you'd be legit thinking Maryland's a top five, top three team if you get this Kevin
1: Herter. Well, there's a whole domino effect because when Herter left and then Lindo came in afterward. I don't think they have. I don't know if they had a scholarship open for Lindo, at the time. So had, had heard
2: Lindo's. Lindo's scholarship opened up later for from herard. Uh, yeah. The question is, uh, Cyril Smith probably doesn't get his no, scholarship. No, Cyril Smith does. Cyril he, does.
1: He came in after Dion Wiley left. Trace Ramsey. So th- Trace, yeah. I think he came in before then though.
0: I don't know. So it probably looks oh, so the original. Lindo's the one edition. that I don't
1: I don't know if he comes.
0: They'd still have him yeah. next year, but Maybe. But even then, I mean you imagine this team with Kevin Herter, even if you take out Ricky Lindo. Come on. <laughs> that would, that be would be solid. Be, that would be top five good. And yet. And yet they're still pretty good now. Yep whatever the case may be. Oh, by the way, speaking of other drafts, right, the MLS Super Draft that is very needless happened, and uh, Dane Sinclair went to Minnesota United, who also drafted Chase Gasper. Interesting. Uh, where did, oh, where was Andrew Samuels? I think he went to the Dynamo, and Omar Sadis went to the Impact, so there you go. MLS draft picks, you don't really need to pay attention too much to that. Trust me on this when I tell you, don't pay attention too much to the MLS Super Draft. It's almost worthless it's bordering on worthless but many maryland players got drafted a couple of them went to the same team so if you're looking for uh places to watch maryland soccer players perhaps play they might be playing for their usl affiliate in madison wisconsin and that ironic anyway there you go there's your mls update for the week uh whatever that case may be so i think thomas i think that covered everything
1: yeah that's pretty much it
0: thankfully uh, we're happy about Maryland sports right now because normally, okay, well, we're somewhat happy about Maryland sports, maybe not Maryland football, but basketball teams. In terms of Maryland players in the conference championship games, J.C. Jackson's going to be playing in the AFC championship game with the Patriots. I think he got called for a pass interference or two in that game against the Chargers, but he's actually stuck longer than I thought he would stick with the Patriots, so good for him.
1: He had a very good year. He did.
0: He did. And that happens with the Patriots. They just get corners and they make them good. It just kind of happens in random ways. But that normally happens, and it's actually kind of funny. So I'm, I'm happy for him, obviously. Yeah. So there you go. There's a good – see, if you've wanted to find a reason to like the Patriots, J.C. Jackson, everybody, now I can officially say thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you next week after some more Maryland basketball fun, we hope, and football fun, maybe not. But until then, of course, no terms.